jinkies. Oh, what's that gross book made out of skin? It's not a book. It's a tome made out of skin. Ew. What's it say? Behold the collected apocrypha of Stacy Ponder, the writer for Final Girl. And Anthony Hudson, the programmer for Queer Horror. And together they are... Oh my god! Don't read it out loud! Don't read it out loud! Gay Lords of Anthony. Oh, 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 yeah, Stacy, Stacy, is that you in the dark? <laughs> it's, it's me, it's me. Okay. I, look, I, I don't want to alarm you, uh-huh. but uh-huh. we're all alone here. Oh my God. In Stately Gaylord's Manor. Oh my God, all, all the guests have, 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 have left, it's just dust everywhere. It's just dust everywhere and the two of us alone with our thoughts. Oh my God, Stacy, this is a fate worse than... <laughs> Oh, thank God. It's so refreshing to be back with you. Uh, yeah, I, you know, I don't have to have any kind of standards anymore. Or practices. Or practices. No more best behavior. We can just do whatever we want now that we don't have, now that we're no longer a thruple. We're back to being a duple. We did a, a duple, indeed. We did work through several thruples. So, I mean, our 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 time in the swinging world really. Um, I feel like we we got a couple nice tastes of it. You know, we. I got my fill at that buffet. You did, yeah. That was that was a lot of pubes in your teeth. Um, I'm sorry. Oh, I never thought you'd notice. <laughs> I like how you were able to craft them, up upcycle them into a whole new perm too. <laughs> A mouth perm. A mouth yeah. perm. It's yeah. <laughs> mouth perms by Stacy. <laughs> That's disgusting. I'm a, bus- I'm a businesswoman. You know, they're not all successful ideas, but I try. My entrepreneurial spirit cannot be tamed. <laughs> She's a venture capitalist. Who isn't these days? <laughs> yeah, I am. May I so. just point out that we have been without guests for approximately one minute and fifty seconds. <laughs> And we've already discussed mouth perms made out of pubes. So it seems like everything is back to normal at stately Gaylord Manor. I told you, I, you know, I don't have to have any filters up anymore, apparently. Apparently, I just don't have any, uh, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Self-respect. When Self-respect, not, that's one, yeah. When there's not someone, you know, a, a third party here with us. Like a smart person who has things yeah. to say. Exactly. <laughs> Yep. Listen, God bless our guests, though. I loved having them on for Women in Horror Month. I thought those were some great conversations. Yes. We uh, had a little, little analyzing. We had a lot of fun. A lot so, of fun. And fun. and I, I look forward to our, our later in the episode where we rate and review each guest according to how much <laughs> we like them. <laughs> Yes, that's a new segment on the show. Yeah, let's rate our friends. <laughs> yeah, friend ratings. Yay. <laughs> Perfect. Yeah, um, so Women, Women in Horror Month is over, baby. Yeah, there's nothing else to talk about. Um, we nothing did else it. To talk about. We yeah. solved sexism on our Suspiria episode. So really, you know, the rest of the show is just going to be us rating um, Stacy's line of new Merkins and... Uh, <laughs> Mouth Merkins. Mouth Merkins. Um, <laughs> discussing baked bean recipes, perhaps. Uh, 
yeah, you know, really forging ahead in the in the queer horror podcast genre into yeah. into unsettled terrain. Yeah, Pio- we're pioneers, and you know what? I am not going to die of dysentery. <laughs> I, might. I might. I mean, chances are with that I mean, with your mouth are. perm. I think. Yeah. I don't know that that's the best at filtering out uh, micro bodies. <laughs> or is it really great at it? <laughs> it, could, it could be like a whale's bristles, the bris- you know, in yeah. school when you learn the bristly baleen. bits. It could be a baleen. <laughs> God, right? Jesus Christ, Neil, get out of the office. <laughs> I, I don't need to know the medical term for whale bristles, Neil. <laughs> I'm an enthusiast. I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm, a, I'm a bristle enthusiast. Actually, I'm a baleen enthusiast. <laughs> yeah. Ah, yeah. Well, clearly um, we're off to a good start. But we, I'm just glad we, we don't are. have to we don't have to talk about women in horror anymore until Ever again. next February when we can talk about Near Dark <laughs> and Near Dark. And Near Dark Part 2. Now <laughs> Near... it's, actually, it's actually dark now. <laughs> I think it's dark now. <laughs> yeah. It's so good. I think that it's dark now. <laughs> Tiffany and Near Dark. See, where's that movie where it's Ginny, beautiful, perfect Ginny from Near Dark and Tiffany and they do their mall tour and (laughs) oh my God, and Diamondback is there and she's like dancing in the background with a guitar, kind of like addicted to love. Like, oh, I can't fucking wait. (laughs) Let's write to Catherine Bigelow. Maybe she'll do it. Yeah. Hey, Catherine. Catherine. How about you stop making movies about serious stuff? Right. Well, if she wants to continue to be mentioned during Women in Horror, you know. Yeah. She needs to up her game. Yeah, she has to up her game and continue to be the only woman in horror out there. (laughs) The only woman director. Yes. (laughs) Um, Speaking of women in in the industry, uh, there was a big award ceremony that happened, Stacey. There was? And your worst fears were not realized. Oh, you mean the Oscars? Yes. Yeah. Thank goodness, right? I mean, Olivia Coleman. I have since seen The Favorite, and mm, oh, so good. Thank God. Having so good. seen The Favorite and The Wife, uh, I'm gonna say it was a shocking win, but it was a deserved win. I, I say I was not as blown away by Glenn Close as I was anticipating I would be. Here's the I thing. I said it. I said it. She said it. She's dishing them out just as she comes. <laughs> she doesn't care. She doesn't care. Um, I was surprised because Olivia Coleman, and I, this is a horror podcast, so that's why we're talking about the lesbian um, period piece, <laughs> The Favorite, which is actually, I think it's kind of a horror movie in its own respects. It has a very bleak um, descent that I did not anticipate. Yes. Um, but especially Olivia Coleman coming from one of my favorite horror adjacent films, Hot Fuzz. Mm-hmm. I love that the woman who has the line reading of murder now has an Oscar <laughs> for best actress. She's great, man. What a great movie. She's perfect. Oh, you know what I thought yesterday? Oh, you had a thunk. I had a thought yesterday. And that thought is I love Tom Atkins. Oh, Tom Atkins. What a, what a sweetheart, huh? Yeah. I mean, we talk about like which men in horror do we like, you know? 
And yeah, I Tom- just thought, how have I not mentioned him yet? Because I love Tom Atkins. Tom Atkins is fucking awesome. And if uh, I've seen him around the convention scene, and he is a true gentleman, and I just adore him. Also, Halloween 3, I mean, come on. God, what a treasure. How can you not love the guy? Ugh. Night of the Creeps, Creep Show, The Fog. Oh, so good. I love Tom Atkins. I think when I originally was like, I can't think of any men, it's because... I'm thinking of like performances that have really moved me and maybe it's partially that men are not often given those kind of roles in horror movies. Yeah, there's something to be argued about like not being allowed to feel or present yeah. emotion. <laughs> yeah. And and otherwise it just hasn't really happened, I guess. But I love Tom yeah. Atkins. Tom Atkins, fucking saint. So there you go. Yeah. My my man in horror this week is definitely um Vincent Price. Uh, the esteemed queer elder. I, I just, we did our Victoria Price screenings, um, House of Price, where we showed House on Haunted Hill and House of Wax. And I just, I just love that man so much. Um, but shout out. I saw, so I saw House of Wax for the first time last night, the original, oh 1953. This movie is as everything I've ever wanted in film. It's so good. It's so good. But um, oh my gosh. Oh my gosh. I just spaced her name. She plays Morticia Adams on the Adams Family, the old TV show. Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, 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 uh, um, um, Carolyn. Uh, Carolyn Jones. Yes, yes. Um, Carolyn Jones steals the shit out of that movie. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. With just her two scenes. like, And I think that was one of her first roles. And it's just so brilliant how it's like, What do you do when you want to make a name for yourself in Hollywood? You do a Vincent Price 3D movie and you steal the shit out of your only two scenes so that everyone, when the first thing they remember after Vincent Price is you, you perfect Mm -hmm. queen. God bless you. Oh my God. I love her so much. Yeah. Agreed. I haven't seen that in front. Did you get to see it in 3D? No, we just had the just a plain 35 millimeter print. No 3D, yeah, sadly. That's all right. Yeah, I mean, you can tell when the 3D parts are going to happen. You know, it's so funny because the movie and Victoria, even who also listeners, if you don't know Victoria Price, she's Vincent Price's daughter. Please look her up on social media. She is an absolute <laughs> angel and a saint, and I am so inspired by this woman. Um, also queer. Uh, she is. Really? Just- yeah oh yeah and she's you know she's her father's biographer she she tends to his legacy she also goes around and speaks and does lots of outreach for queer kids and like she's just the coolest person in the world um truly a a a a beacon like just like her father but um she was talking about you know how this movie was made in 3d and that's why vincent did it like he was gray listed because he was an anti he was anti-nazi and so they back in the day they thought that that meant oh well you're you must be a communist so he was gray listed and house of wax like when that was one of his first horror roles and that's really how he got his career back um hmm. but he wanted to do it because he knew this new technology 3d would be like you know the hot new thing and the, she was saying how the directors filmed this movie and um, he was just an artist and he just wanted to see beautiful compositions and stuff. So there's barely any use of 3D gimmicks in this movie, except like the paddle ball sequence where this guy just keeps pushing this paddle ball and swinging it out <laughs> towards the camera. And he even goes like, oh, see, it's bouncing out. Oh, look, now it's in your popcorn. Like he's just saying <laughs> that to the camera. It's so funny. And then the rest of the movie is just like a really shockingly grotesque film for 1953. Oh, 
God, I haven't seen it in so long. It's so great, though. Oh, it's worth a rewatch. Yeah. I love the 3D. Like, now 3D is one thing, but, like, I love the 3D of, like, the early 80s. Where yeah. you can, it's like all the 3D moments are so pronounced, like Friday the 13th Part 3. My favorite. Where, yeah, it's like, I'm gonna stick this right, hey, do you want a hot dog? <laughs> like, the hot, like the hot dog comes at you. My favorite is the, the, two, the like, the, the Cheech and Chong stoner couple and the popcorn, and they're like, oh, as the popcorn is like flying <laughs> yeah. up at them. Yeah, and the eyeball, of course, Rick's eyeball. It's so good. Man, Friday the 13th. Man, I just am not here for 3D nowadays. Like, I can't stand it. Um, yeah. I don't think it really serves a purpose. But, I mean, I did love, because they they kept up that sort of vibe, was My Bloody Valentine. And then uh, Final Destination 5, shockingly, so good. <laughs> that's the one i haven't seen right oh i'm such a fan it even crosses over into slasher territory for a brief second like it is just so fun fine yeah death by lasik oh it's great i love it (laughs) i I love part five it's it's one of those where you're like you're watching it and you're like this it's like friday 13th part seven you're like this movie this far out in the franchise should not be this good (laughs) like Mm. Friday 13th. Hey, we're supposed to talk about Friday 13th movie today. <gasps> oh my god, we are! Look at us uh, forced transition. <laughs> yeah, that was, that was smooth, right? Yeah, that was real smooth. <laughs> real smooth. Hey! Waka waka, what about this? <laughs> yeah, we're today, well, we're talking about Friday the 13th Part 5, A New Beginning, and Slumber Party Massacre 2. And people oh. might say, what the heck, why those two movies together? To which I say, Stacey, please explain this. <laughs> Although first, I do know. First of all, they are both movies. Oh, yeah. I forgot about Pro- that. Probably. Right? I mean, uh, uh, Well, it's arguable. I mean, they're really, they're sort of um, experiences. Exactly. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. You don't watch them. They happen to you. Yeah, yeah, one is, yeah. one suddenly finds oneself enwrapped in something occurring to them. Yeah. <laughs> in the process of watching this. Second, uh, they both feature one of my eternal crushes, Juliet Cummins. Come on, Juliet. Come on, Juliet, who you might also know from Psycho 3. Uh, <gasps> oh, yes. Yeah. Which and... also, when we're talking about films in a franchise that should not be that good. Yeah, no kidding. Psycho, Psycho 3. Th- Psycho 3 and Psycho 2, especially. Oh my god, so shockingly solid. I can't wait to do an episode about those. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that's the first connection. The second connection is they are both, like, real outliers in their respective franchises. Uh, they're both movies that I really hated the first time I saw them. And since then, I have come around to absolutely fall in love with both of them. They're kind of like the black sheep of their franchises, right? Yeah, they're totally the black sheep. They're fucking weird. And uh, (laughs) most fans hate them, I think, still. Not me. They try try to do something different. like, And they do do something very different. (laughs) Right. Well, that's the thing. It's like, especially a franchise like Friday the 13th, which has 10,000 movies in it. Horror fans, like, they see one and they're like, ah, it was just the same old thing. 
And so somebody tries to do something really different, and then the horror fans are like, nah, why don't you give me the same old thing? I hate yeah. it. Yeah, I hate yeah, yeah, yeah. that it's new. And I mean, I was one of those haters and losers. <laughs> I hate that it's new. <laughs> <laughs> like, <laughs> oh, so you... Know? you- and you did, yeah, you mentioned that. So you saw Friday the 13th Part 5 the first time you just weren't here for it. You wanted Jason and, and yeah, I'm Yeah, I was, I was like 13 or something when I saw, like, you know, I was a teenager who wanted, like, a slasher movie. And, I mean, I you kind of get one with Friday the 13th Part 5, A New Beginning. I mean, it could be argued that that is all you get, yes. Yeah, <laughs> but it's also, like, it's just such a strange movie, you know? And it makes such bizarre choices. It really does. It also has some really fantastic characters. Yes. Has some real wackadoo characters. Even if those characters just show up to be killed one scene later. uh, And 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 even if those scenes have way more development than the main storyline with the actual characters. (laughs) (laughs) Right? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, man, it's so... So, I mean, you know, you know the story. Like, do we have to tell you what happens in Friday the 13th Part 5? I think... Let's do a brief overview, right? So, there's what? Jason Voorhees... Mrs. Voorhees did her thing. Then Jason wreaked havoc in 2 and 3 over the span of a few days. Little little Feldman... And 4. Well, 4, I guess you could say, as part of the canon. Yeah, sure. Um, And then (laughs) 4... Here's the thing. I rewatched four at, we had an all night horror marathon at the theater here and Friday 13th part four was the fourth movie. And at that point I was just so dead inside that I hated it, even though I had previously loved this film. Mm. Um, (laughs) So I need to watch it again when I haven't watched 17 other movies in a row. No, I'm okay with it. Like for me, it's Friday 13th, one, two, three, and five. And I know people fucking love six. And I know you super love Seven, and Seven has its charms to me, but otherwise, I'm good with one, two, three, and five. See me, it's um, I am a, I am a a, a three, a two, a seven, yeah, three, three, seven, two. I'll say that I'm a three, seven, mm. two. Okay, all right, that's fair. And I do like five. I do like five, but I'm I'm a, seven is just so bonkers that I could not be anything but here for it. Yeah, yeah, it is. It is. I think it's for me. It's the Jason. Like I'm not a Kane Hodder as Jason fan. Oh, I don't like Kane Hodder, no. You know, so. But, he's I mean, just, I'm here for big. Tina. I mean, I'm here for Tina. And I'm here for Maddie. With Tina, and like, I mean, there's five out queer actors in that film. Yeah. And yeah. it's just, oh, her makeover. Oh, my God. And then she gets <laughs> killed, and it's so sad. I like the way that, like, well, I guess we're talking about Seven now. But yeah. the way that Maddie, <laughs> Maddie proves to her haters when they're like, you could use a makeover. The way that, like, she proves them wrong is by giving herself a makeover. Yeah. <laughs> 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 She's like a little touch up my ass. And it's like, but you literally did just give yourself a touch up. <laughs> I didn't even think about that. That's so true. But yeah. you know what? It's an argument for agency. She's doing it on her own terms. <laughs> I, well, there you go. And that's what makes me 100% behind it. And that yeah. much more so sad when she gets killed. Yeah, when she's clutching her little white shoes and she gets killed. I haven't seen the extended death scenes because that seven was like severely edited 
Um, yeah. But I, I don't know that I could see it because I just, that, that scene is so sad when she dies. I can't yeah. deal. Yeah. Five um, is another one that's obviously super cut to heck. It's, it felt it's, a little like Scream 3, like kind of like, oh, here's a stab and now we're cutting away. Yes. Yeah. By this point, the MPAA is just going nuts on these movies and cutting out everything that most people want to see. And the yeah. movies do, like, I'm not, I don't know, I feel I'm not one who needs to see explicit gore and stuff like that, but I think these movies suffer for it. Yes. I mean, I'm, and I go back and forth with the gore thing because I, I always, I've said on the show, you know, I'm not a gore hound, but then I'll watch a movie that's edited and I'm like, I want the blood and the guts. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And, but that's well, the thing is, I, Friday the 13th, I mean, it's those makeup effects. It's, I mean, it right. came out of Tom Savini's makeup effects are probably the best thing about the first one besides uh, Mrs. Voorhees. <laughs> like, right. yeah. But like, but like, it's, you know, you want to see those, especially since we don't have practical effects today, really. Right. Uh, it's yeah. so nice to see them really have to work at being creative. Yeah. Well, you. Wa- I mean, the first Friday the 13th, you watch, like, Kevin Bacon's death scene. And still, I know how they do it. But when I watch it, I'm like, how do they do that? Yeah, 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 yeah. You know? It's like, it's fucking movie magic. Yeah. And so, and I don't know. There is something, too, about an 80s slasher and that outlandish gore. Because it's the kind of gore that can only exist in an 80s slasher. Like, um, like Blood Rage, right? Like, it's... Mm-hmm. It's so over the top, but it's just like delicious and how silly it is and how practical right. it is. And yes. you can see the people like laying there trying to wriggle around as they're like setting the intestines. Like, it's great. <laughs> yeah. yeah. It feels weird to like argue for it. Um, but it's like, it, you know, like to me, the finer points are like, it's not a person tied to a chair getting their fingernails pulled out. Yes. And it looks really gross. It is yes. someone with like an axe in the face, getting an axe to the face, <laughs> and it's really gross. But it's quick, yeah. I guess. You know? I will say there were still a few moments in five that got me. Oh, yeah, though, where I was like, oh, yeah, oh yeah, that's yeah. that's gnarly. Yeah. So yeah. five, we should probably set up. Oh yeah. A little. <laughs> <laughs> we started to, and then we just jumped into rating the gore. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, I'll go continue, please. So little Feldman, Feldy Feld, right? Tommy Jarvis, who I think is the weak link of part four. Um, little little T Jarv. Uh, <laughs> the, the, it's kind of hilarious because the film opens with, and this is a new sequence, right? This isn't from four. Right, yeah. Um, with They bring back Corey Feldman. He's uh, little Tommy Jarvis, who has previously kind of gone bonkers at the end of the fourth one after killing Jason. Like is having this nightmare that they're coming and they're digging up Jason, who is literally buried, like, under an inch of dirt. And (laughs) it comes pre-equipped with a a machete. Yeah, Yeah. in a backyard. And it's really funny that later, even, they reference, like, oh, well, Jason Voorhees was cremated. But then in 6, they go back and he's basically in that same grave from Tommy's nightmare. Um, Tommy's fucked up. He's having nightmares about Jason. Jump ahead. He's much older. He's going into this halfway house. 
And then the murders start all over again. But this time, is it Jason Voorhees or isn't it Jason Voorhees? What's happening? <gasps> Who is it? Who wow, is wow, it? Wow. It's sort of it's sort of like the Halloween three of the series. Like they're trying right. to shake things up a bit. Well, I think it's really interesting that I mean, especially at the end of part five where they set it up as like Tommy picking up the Jason mantle. It yeah, could have and- been really interesting to have Tommy be the killer, but fa- in part six. But instead, fans were like, no, I don't want it to be new. I want it to be Jason. And so part six is Jason lives and Tommy is just like all of his mental issues are gone and he's just a like hunky teen. His mental issues that were explicitly established in both four and five. Yeah, like five, he's practically catatonic through the whole thing, except for his like outbursts of rage where he just beats the shit out of people. Yeah, when he just like will pick up a dude and flip him over and bash him into like <laughs> yeah. silverware. What the shit? Tommy, yeah. you've got yeah. some rage issues. Also, what is up with that haircut, girl? We need to talk. <laughs> Well, he's been in the mental hospital, you know. Stacy, that is no excuse for poor personal hygiene. It is when you only get to cut it with like a tongue depressor or something. Okay, that's true. They're not going to give him scissors. (laughs) Yeah. Now I want to see Tommy just like trying to style his hair with popsicle sticks. Yeah. I mean, yeah. honestly, it would at least give him something to do in this movie because he, like you said, yeah, he doesn't do anything. It's no. like Tommy Jarvis is only in this movie to occasionally be seen sweating severely. Yes. He um, yeah, and to make us think like, oh, well, it must be Tommy is the killer. Right. Although yeah. ultimately we learn, you know, it's not, although he's being molded that way, at least until right. the screenwriters were like, never mind, let's just go back to his dream sequence from the beginning of this movie and just <laughs> use that as the as the jumping off point for all the other sequels from now on. It could have been so interesting. What a bold thing to do. And it would, it, I mean, as much as Tommy's kind of useless in part five, at least for once in horror, we're seeing like the aftermath of the trauma. Yeah, which doesn't. Time. Which really does not happen. Like, right. I mean, yeah. we've we've seen that there's some new genre films that are just beginning to do that. But at this point, we've only, you know, even in up until the 2000s, we had only seen that in H2O and maybe arguably like a little bit of Halloween, too. Yeah. A little Nightmare on Elm Street 3. Nightmare on Elm Street 3. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. But it's it was rare and it was rare for it to to happen this way. Usually it was like. Oh, they've experienced trauma and they're not the same person. It's like a Laurie Strode kind of thing, you know? Like, yeah. oh, she's depressed, but the killer's coming back to finish the job. Whereas here, it's like he's been so damaged by what happened that he lashes out violently and maybe he's going to become the killer. Like, how original, how interesting. And instead, ah, let's just bring Jason back for no reason. Yeah, let's just go back to it. Stupid fans. Why couldn't they bring back Mrs. Voorhees ever? Why couldn't she be a zombie too, like Jason? (laughs) Why not? Because nobody stuck a lightning rod in her. This is, that's my new science experiment. You know, some some kids do the volcano that you pour the goo in, you know, Mm -hmm. and then it erupts. I'm going to put my lightning rod. Oh. Oh, wow. (laughs) Well, I have to leave. (laughs) (laughs) Betsy Palmer, forgive me. I'm not here to judge. (laughs) Uh, upon your upon your judge's podium (laughs) my white wig yeah yeah 
Oh, plead thee. <laughs> Guilty. People yeah. versus the Betsy Palmer. <laughs> yeah, because people can you can kill Jason. They repeatedly kill him. It's just always someone brings him back to life in the next one. And it is it is nice hearing them just like say explicitly, Jason Voorhees is dead. He's been cremated. Um, right. Because he was like sort of, I mean, I don't know how he was still alive after after part three because i mean chris higgins she like hung the guy she stabbed the guy she did everything she could to him yeah um and then it wasn't until we see that gnarled face sliding down that machete in four that we're like okay he's the guy is dead right it's got of i mean chopped into bits yeah yeah chopped into bits but it's refreshing to just have this other world where now something else is happening does it feel like a friday the 13th film um Sort of, yeah. A little. It's the got, music is there. It's got, it reminds me a little bit of when I lived in Brooklyn, once upon a time, there was a, a Mexican place down the street from me called Happy Taco. <laughs> I love that. Yeah, and but it was run by Chinese people. Oh, yeah. And so, like, it was Mexican food, but it wasn't quite right. Like, it had all the ingredients, and so you'd think, oh, this is a taco. Yeah, sure. But it just wasn't really a taco. You know what I mean? Yeah, and that's this movie. That's this movie. It's, it's got the happy the taco. Of... It's the happy taco of the fra- Friday the 13th franchise. <laughs> right? They can put that on the box when they re-release it. Again. Yeah, yeah. Be oh, sure to make sure um, the people that did his name was Jason know to edit, re-edit the movie <laughs> to drop that tidbit of wisdom in. But it's true. <laughs> like it, it has all the ingredients, but it doesn't quite come together. And I think that's because they're trying so hard, maybe to hide the fact that it's Roy, the paramedic, who's doing Why? all the killing. So through, through most of it, you just see like a foot. Or a pair of feet, or here's his arm, here's a hand holding a machete. Yeah, it's very reminiscent of the first one, honestly, and how that's shot in terms of yes. showing the killer. Also, a little jollo where we just see like a glove or, you know. Yeah. Um, but then they don't commit to that. Right. So every now and then you'll see like a, sh- like towards the end, like they'll begin to show Jason. And, or the the look of Jason, the hockey mask, the the whatever grayish clothes he's wearing, like. But then they return to just those really covert shots of just barely offering glimpses of him, and I'm like, why are you going back and forth? <laughs> like you have to yeah. choose, either leave the mystery open of is this Jason or just let it be Jason. It, it was strange. Yeah. Well, it also doesn't commit to like full on horror either. Like this to me is the first one in the franchise that it's trying to really be funny. Oh, and I mean, that's those characters there. Yeah. And it's not funny, but it's so not funny that somehow it circles back around and it is funny. It's like if Disney tried to make a Friday the 13th movie almost. (laughs) Yeah. You have those weird greasers that are like going to a party or something. There's a lot of weird characters, like completely random characters that show up and the the actors for these characters really give it their all, no matter I mean, how minor the part is. I'm going to have to say, uh, sing my tribute to Ethel, who... <laughs> <laughs> yeah! Ethel the hillbilly woman, who I like to think is, at this point in part five, she is the best thing to happen to the franchise since Chris Higgins. Um, yeah. <laughs> 
for sure. Ethel is a fucking god. Yeah, hell yeah. <laughs> that scene where she's just chopping up the chicken. <laughs> yeah! <laughs> she's like, so... They don't, they don't act like human beings <laughs> at no, all. They're full-on cartoons. I mean... Um, you see, uh, Joey, the first one to be killed, Joey, who is kind of like, he's sort of like Carl from Aqua Teen Hunger Force crossed with Lenny from A Mice and Men. And, (laughs) and he has his, he's like, he's like Augustus Gloop though, too. He's got like his chocolate stains running down his face and he's just annoying everyone in the halfway house until poor Vic freaks out on him and just chops him up in front of everybody. (laughs) Which... For everybody. That's the thing. This halfway house, it's like, first of all, Tommy There is, is... no oversight. <laughs> There's no oversight. Tommy Jarvis is not ready to be in a halfway house. No. Like, like, bless them for trying, but his violent outbursts and sweatiness and, like, that he won't talk to anybody, like... I mean, He's really, the sweat ready. is the biggest problem. The sweat is the number one sign, whether you're ready for a halfway house or not. And he's not, he's just not. But I love that, like, the day after almost everybody there, these tr- they're troubled youths, right, for one reason or another. We never really hear anybody. Like, one kid has a stutter, so he's in a halfway house. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like, yeah. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. I didn't even realize that. <laughs> like, we I don't thought he was know cute. anybody. Like, what's wrong with Robin? Like... We yeah, why know. is Robin there? You kind of get Robin like, there's all, it's almost like, like Robin's sort of the stand-in for the camp counselor, which no longer exists in this film because the camp is completely removed from yeah. this entry in the yeah. franchise. Yeah, it's um, like Vi- Violet is kind of surly. The other two like to have sex all the time. Vic is a homicidal maniac. Like we don't, <laughs> we don't know anything about these characters, right? But most of them have just watched one of the the people at the one of the kids kill another kid brutally with an axe, and the, the next day the head of the household is like, "Well, I know that you know this is we've all been through a thing, but let's just have breakfast, right?" And 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 boo on you, Violet, for not. Re- for like setting (laughs) for setting two extra plates even because you you're traumatized and forgot to not set plates for the people who were murdered in front of you yesterday yeah like there's no therapy they're supposed to be getting them ready for their transition to the you know out into regular society and there's no therapy you know what this is this is a this is a um cassandra of troy like uh predict predictive (laughs) metaphor for going to school under this fucking betsy devos uh administration with her in charge this is this is what if betsy devos had uh uncompromised control over american schools just for the rest of her life say the trump dynasty becomes a real thing it takes over this is what every school will look like (laughs) like it will be this halfway house (laughs) chilling chilling (laughs) it is truly truly a fate worse than any other yeah but it's like there's just so many weird touches the dirt farmers ethel and her son the big dildo (laughs) yeah big dildo I like Um, to imagine that in an alternate universe, Adrian Barbeau played Ethel. mm, Just putting it out there. I could see that for sure. Yeah. If she was slumming it. Oh, yeah. 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 The greasers. You have Lana. If we all had Lana's confidence in ourselves, where would we be? Um, uh, One thing I will say that I will report straight out of my notes. (laughs) The second Lana showed up, I wrote... Lana is now the best thing to happen to the franchise since <laughs> Ethel. 
Girl, you are so hot. Oh my god, Lana the fucking waitress. I want an entire spinoff. Like, it, I think I think it was way years ago on Final Girl, you talked about um, uh, House of the Devil and how you wanted a film about Greta Gerwig's character. Yes, yeah, yeah. And I, I, I love imagining those alternate world spinoff films and i need one about lana because why wasn't she the star of this movie (laughs) it's so true but like why do we know more about lana than we know about robin you know and that's what's so funny is like we get those sequences with the greasers we get the sequence with um oh Oh, anita who who, it must be said anita is now the best thing to happen to the franchise since (laughs) lana (laughs) (laughs) but like those scenes are actually really affecting and they really get you into the movie those are like i think the lana sequence and then the anita sequence are the two the two most like suspenseful they're silly but the most the best like sort of chase slash stalking sequences in the film right yeah and there is so much more involvement in character development in just those disconnected scenes that really have nothing else to do with the movie except roy just wandered into them canoodling yeah yeah meanwhile they just cut back to the what essentially is the b story of the movie which is the actual plot (laughs) where it's just it's just teenagers in a halfway house yelling at each other about place settings (laughs) (laughs) yeah well there's also this moment where um pam is gonna go find uh matt or whatever and they split up and there's this shot and it's jake the one with the stutter and mm-hmm. Violet and Robin and Reggie the Reckless. And there's this shot of the four of them standing there and there's like thunder and the camera slowly zooms in on them. And it's like, oh, that would have been a really interesting thing, too, is to have like a final foursome. Yeah. But then they just get killed in rapid succession. <laughs> yeah. Except for Reggie the Reckless. You know? Yeah. But I don't know. It's such a strange, strange movie. It's so weird. It's so weird. I would love to see the behind the scenes of this, of how much of this was just producers just just out of their minds on cocaine. Uh, I think there was a lot of cocaine. There, that's the really the only way. Like, the, I mean, honestly, that Lana scene with um that weird ass dude with his mustache that shows up and he's just doing coke, waiting for Lana. Like, <laughs> yeah. I'm pretty sure he's the director and producer of this movie. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's just, I mean, what a treat. I get it why some fans still hate it, but man. I mean, here's, it. it's, for me, it comes down to the Roy thing. It's just like, why is Roy the killer? Like, oh, a paramedic shows up. He sees his kid who he has, whatever, is off at a halfway house for any circumstance. He sees him butchered. That triggers him. So now he must start dressing up like Jason and just killing randos around town. <laughs> Makes perfect sense. What's wrong with you? You know. My... <laughs> oh, go ahead. <laughs> It, that's the thing is it should make perfect sense because that's the basis for every slasher killer. But right. this, it just I think because you're up against the legacy of, of Mrs. Voorhees and Jason Voorhees, it's just like that guy. <laughs> right. Well, I thought about that because it is like you said, they approach it like part one where we don't know even the gender of the killer through almost all of it. Right. Mm-hmm. But then, but then Mrs. Voorhees, once she like re- is revealed to be maybe not the killer, but not quite right. When she shows up and she's like, I'm an old friend of the Christie's like oh. she fucking gets her time to shine. 
and she yeah. has her monologues and she explains it. Here, they try to do the same thing, but the only way we even fucking know who Roy is is because <laughs> of that scene in the hospital where we find out that it's Roy because Roy carries a picture of himself in his wallet. <laughs> <laughs> I do too. I would like everyone to know. Because the audience is like, Roy? Who's Roy? And they like flip to the picture and they're like, Roy? And it's like Roy in his paramedic (laughs) outfit just (laughs) looking at the camera. Just a photo of himself. I love it so much. Listen, he was really proud of that Sears photo shoot, Stacey. (laughs) He was. Yeah, he he had the newspaper clipping of Jason to explain it. Yeah. To explain that, like, oh, and also he just used Jason as a cover. And the newspaper article features a photo of Jason, like, coming at the camera. <laughs> and I'm like, who took that picture? Like, what intrepid fucking Pulitzer-deserving reporter took was like, that picture? Listen, I was there at, at Vietnam, yeah. and I was there at Crystal Lake. <laughs> yeah, he took the picture and, like, got out and got the picture developed, and they ran it in the newspaper. like In, in the Daily Bugle, it was Peter Parker, that's who. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. so instead of, like, this wonderful reveal where we hear from Roy, they just had like a 20 minute chase sequence with him chasing Pam and Reggie for no reason and then it's like da 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 yeah he 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 falls on some spikes we look down and we see Roy's face and we say who is that I'm sorry who's that what (laughs) who wait who's that supposed to be and then the hospital sequence they send in um not Chris Penn whoever that sheriff is that looks like Chris Penn's like second cousin for like once removed (laughs) He explains it to all of us, you know, okay, yeah. this is what's, it's very like psycho, but psycho light, where it's like, we get all of the motivation after the fact. Right. Uh, yeah. And it would have, I think it would have gone over so much better if Roy actually got to speak. Yeah. If we got some kind of like, my boy, what about my boy? <laughs> you know? Right. <laughs> he was my son. It would have, I yeah. mean, it would have been a nice parallel to... It would have been, you know, not to pretend that it's at all, like, deep or good, but, like, (laughs) it would have been an interesting parallel to the first film because she was taking revenge for what the counselors did to her son or, like, through their neglect. Mm -hmm. This, he's taking revenge, but it's, like, there's also a certain amount of guilt on Roy's part because he gave up his son. So he he wasn't there to protect him. So yeah. it could, it just would have been an interesting parallel. Maybe. Or just, or make Tommy the killer. Or just make Tommy the killer. Or, 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 you know, in the following sequels, follow through on that setup of Tommy is going to go kill, uh, it was Robin, right? At the end? Pam. Pam. Yeah, Pam. Yeah, he's going to go kill Pam. Like, follow through on that. And I mean, but I will say, as, as, a, as someone who is not a fan of Tommy Jarvis until six, um, because Tom Matthews and I are married. <laughs> um, <laughs> like, yeah. like uh, I don't know. I just don't understand why. I just don't. I just don't understand. Okay, I think Jarvis. fans were like, we want Jason. And so that was it. And they then they brought back Tommy. But it's like, Tommy's fine now. Yeah, Tommy. Tommy's dependable. He's he's hot, and he can help you out in a bind. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, he's not going to yeah. freeze up and start stuttering and put on his glasses and cry and then throw somebody over a, a bookshelf. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. So it's not a good movie. It's know? not a good movie, but let me tell you, 
It's Ethel. a treasure. Ethel, man. Lana. Ethel. Anita. Lana. Violet. Violet. Oh, Violet. That sequence. <laughs> Violet's like when when the when Killer Roy opens that door and he's just like standing there watching her do her like new wave mime dance. Yeah, like wouldn't you watch? Oh my. Oh my God. Fucking amazing. So good. Just like that's one of the. I I live for a solid new wave teen in a slasher mm-hmm. movie from the eighties. And Violet just she serves it. I loved she really her. Does. Yeah, and she had she that really Madonna does. poster on her wall. Mm, she sure did. Yeah, so I was like, I see you, queen. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think even people who hate this movie are like, uh, but Violet, though. I mean, that sequence is great. Also, like, there's some gross things, like I said earlier, like that belt scene with the belt ripping around the guy's neck. Yeah. And then he twists it, and it's, like, ripping into his eye. Oh, it's so gross. Yeah. Yeah, that was really gross. Um, with, one more- Without being gross. Yeah. One more thing I really loved was- yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the scene i can't even remember who was driving the truck but there's a scene where they have to get somewhere so they get into a truck and they drive off and the music is screeching 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 and you just see the same shot of this truck driving across from left to right <laughs> yeah. four times in a row yeah. and then they park yeah. and we're like well that must have that that information of the same shot four times in a row conveys to me that they took a drive somewhere <laughs> like, it's like a it's like a cartoon bat it's like a scooby-doo background yeah, yeah to the most intense music as you just see this truck go left right left right yeah. <laughs> left right there's that's the thing is there's so much padding in this that could have been used for like some dialogue yeah and and instead instead they were like just put some hillbillies in there let's do some more blow and let's up the body count because and you would know this as an expert on body counts yes that's true i mean you only literally wrote the book on it i did listeners and if you don't know uh, it's called death count and it's all of the deaths in the friday the 13th series illustrated and i write about it and it's available on amazon I have my copy proudly, my autographed copy, proudly, <laughs> proudly displayed in my house next to the little art card I have of Muffin that Stacy made for me. <laughs> the uh, the woman who plays, I don't even know her character name, the one who has sex in the woods and then gets the garden shears in the eyes. Oh, yeah, that was aggressive. She friended me. She sent me a message that somebody must have shown her my book or she saw the book and she was like, your book's really great. And then she friended me on Facebook. (laughs) (laughs) Stacey, you're bringing people together. Bringing people together. So. And this film has the highest, I think it is the highest, right? Of all of them, the highest body count. I think Jason X is. Oh, but that doesn't that doesn't count. Those don't count. That's I, not, you know what? That's not, As, here's my thing. It's not Friday the Thirteenth, technically. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, that yeah. It, even in the book, I say it that for me, it stopped. Like part eight was the last one. I consider the Paramount eight because they were all released by Paramount Pictures. Yes. I consider that like the canon series. Same. For sure. Absolutely. Even though Jason Takes Manhattan is just terrible, except for maybe JJ with her guitar. Here's the but... thing: I love it. I love Part Eight. Oh, also, so I mean, it's got its play. It's got you know when what's his name Julius gets his head punched off. That's good yeah. Shit. That's I good will shit. watch anything set on a, a alleged cruise ship that's actually just a rusty tiny boat. <laughs> like, I, <laughs> yeah. I just want to know why Charo wasn't in it. It it could have used some Charo. I mean. <laughs> 
that's just i mean it's just a bad movie that one's too mean for me you know kelly who is in that oh shit she is huh she's the girl with the suspenders and i saw when i lived in la i saw her at a bar once and i was like i'm gonna do it i'm gonna do it even though i told myself not to and i went up to her and i said i loved you in (laughs) friday the 13th part eight and if this was i mean mean only a couple years after the x-men movies so like what the so i was like i loved you in uh friday the 13th part eight and she said who are you I was like, man, those backward suspenders you were wearing. I, I don't know what that was all about. And so we talked about her backward suspenders. She was really cool. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah. I mean, you got to seize these moments when they happen, you know? And you often do. I do. Well. <laughs> That's <you> some, <laughs> something I admire about you very much. <laughs> you only live once. Yes. I will present you with that award one day, too, for... <laughs> The, the Stacey Ponder Icebreaker Award. <laughs> I mean, her character had backward suspenders on. Don't you want to know what that was all about? I mean, come on. That's women in horror. Mm-hmm. Yeah, hello. Women in Horror Month. Why aren't we talking about that? Yeah, for real. Jeez. Just make sure it's only in February. <laughs> yeah, only in February. We shouldn't even be talking about it now. I know. We broke the rules. Jesus Christ. God damn it. <laughs> so... In other Juliet Cummins uh, classics. Yeah. Oh, man. We have a, another film that I am so just, I can't wait to talk about it because we did a great episode on Slumber Party Massacre with the wonderful Guinevere Turner last month. Sure did. And the one, I mean, I love Slumber Party Massacre because, I mean, let's be real, Kim is perfect. It's all perfect queens. Mm-hmm. But... But I really wanted to talk about Slumber Party too. I know. Because it is the definition of a mood. All caps. <laughs> M-O-O-D. A pastel 1987 mood. Oh, what a year. Just, oh my God. This movie really looks like 1987. You know what I, I mean? mean? I mean, it makes sense because it was made in 1987. But like the pastels, it is such a like... It's it's not even an 80s movie. It is a fucking 1987 movie. Exactly. The only thing, like, I mean, put this movie in one of those horrible all-white hair salons next to a Patrick Nagel portrait. (laughs) And I'm never leaving that room. (laughs) It's everything I've ever wanted. Yeah. Yeah. This movie is just, I mean... Holy moly. It's fucking insane. It's, it is insane. It is cuckoo nutso. I will never forget, and I have told you this a thousand times, but I'm going to tell it to you one more time so that our listeners can hear it for the first time. Uh, because I know they care that much. <laughs> like <laughs> When I first moved to Portland and I was educating myself in all the movies I wasn't able to find in my little tiny small town and I would go to the video store to Movie Madness and I would walk in and I would rent all the John Waters movies and every other horror movie that I hadn't seen 
and they would, I always was, I would always learn so much um, about movies I needed to watch by what was playing in the lobby that the employees would put on the TV. And I walk into the lobby one day and there is this like rockabilly crooning and, (laughs) and women running from like this weird fucking guy in a leather jacket who's singing at them as he's like waving this chainsaw, like keytar at them, like drill (laughs) keytar. and i was so transfixed i was like this i'm pretty sure this thing that i am seeing right now is completely singularly of itself and might be the greatest movie i've never seen yeah and it was slumber party massacre too and i immediately went to look it up and all i could find was everyone talking about how terrible it is and how it's one of the worst horror movies and one of the worst horror sequels of all time Flash forward a couple years, I watch it for the first time, and, you know, it could be one of the worst <laughs> somethings out there, but I love it! Yeah. It didn't click for me until the second time I saw it. The first time, I was one of those haters. Because I think- yeah, A blogger thought, and a hater. Literally, Stacy. I, re- I literally was. And, you know, <laughs> because the first one- is its own thing but it's like it's a satire but it's also mostly just a slasher movie and so i was just and it's it's grounded in reality sorry yeah yeah exactly and so i picked this one up thinking it'd be more of the same and not knowing anything about it i mean what in the world if you're not (laughs) expecting it like what the fuck it seems terrible. You know what I mean? I can I completely understand that. And I was like, this movie is just what in the world? And then the next the second time I saw it, I was like, oh my god. Where has this been all my life? And then I was like, you watched yes. it and you hated it. And I was like, oh yeah, that's right. Well, that was stupid of me. <laughs> oh, that was Gollum in the mirror telling yeah. you that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh my god, it's such a joy. It, this movie, I mean, it really, depending on how you look at it, it is terrible or it is the, the greatest film ever made. I mean, it is the Citizen Kane of what the fuck am I watching? Yeah, it's like a Schrodinger's horror movie. It's simultaneously yes. like the worst and the best. And I, I liked it. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, and let's talk. I mean, God forbid. I do know. I'm I'm giving myself the sign of the cross right now. I know it's not February, and God forbid we express any more sentiments around women making movies. But how awesome too that the original was made by you know some of our favorite lesbians, and then <laughs> and then Slumber Party Two stays in the chromosomal family, and mm-hmm. uh, Deborah Brock wrote and directed this one yeah um and i don't know how much cocaine she was on but (laughs) she clearly was like had some kind of exchange going on with the makers of friday the 13th part (laughs) five in terms of their drug supply and she just made this fucking bananas like rockabilly uh (laughs) fever dream it really is it's a pastel fever dream And for our listeners who have not seen this, um, you know, the same thing we always say, turn this off and watch it. Oh, my God. Don't blame us if you hate it, because you might. You might hate it. But I mean, honestly, turn this off and watch it, because this film deserves to be watched. It has to be seen, because it it is just... (laughs) Describing it does not do it justice. 
And it, it, it seems to follow in like, you know, traditional slasher territory, right? So we have um, Courtney, who is my favorite character next to, well, next to all my other favorite characters in the, the original <laughs> film. Um, I, was yeah. a, I was a Kim stan with the first one, but Courtney is my next favorite character because she's, she's, the, she's the horned up younger sister who's just reading her playgirls, loves playing dead. <laughs> she's a femme troll in training. And I will say I experienced some Stacy, um, Mary Lou Baloney, uh, <laughs> Betty Sue Baloney, <laughs> because Court- Courtney in the original film is so cool, so just kick-ass and funny and ornery and yes. um and just a shit kid and i love her and then in this film we get older courtney who is sort of trauma informed after the first film it's a different yes. actress it's um it's played by crystal bernard of television's wings of tv's wings <laughs> and uh her sister it's valerie right from the original uh, yeah. Was it Valerie? Yeah, Valerie, her older sister, survivor of the first one, is now in a mental institution. And this Courtney is a little bit different. She's a little bit, it's a little prom night three for me where I'm like, well, this isn't my Courtney. Mm-hmm. But it, some of all its parts in this film, it works so well, I think, that I am totally here for it. I like that there's a little attempt at connective tissue, even though they're throwing Deborah. Mama Deb in this movie, Deb Brock, is throwing, <laughs> she's throwing all the rules out with this one. She really does. It's in that post-Nightmare on Elm Street time where horror movies were like, you know what would be cool is if we just put it, made everything like a dream and then a dream in a dream. And then it's just like a dream. Like what if I had in a dream world? <laughs> oh, give me another bump. <laughs> Yeah, give me another layer of dreams and a little bump. <laughs> yeah, baby. I'm surprised Deborah Hill didn't produce this one, honestly. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So Courtney is now uh, like it's five years after the original, so she's 17, and she's got her girl band. Oh, and they're fucking awesome. Um, yeah. Should we take a little detour and talk about that band? Let's let's jump into the band in a second. Let's okay. get okay, get through. So setup. the band, they're gonna go. Sheila, one of the gals in the band, uh, her parents just bought a condo and it's empty. So the girls are gonna go to the condo for the weekend and rehearse and have a slumber party. Uh, so they go up to the condo. The boys crash the slumber party, of course. Courtney's the ugliest all- boys. The worst boys. I mean, like, well, one of them is really nice. The other one is the worst character. Yeah, one of them's nice, but I'm like, what? you you guys do not deserve to be hanging out with they these do perfect not. queens. No, 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 no. Because, I mean, uh, hot or not, and I say not. Right. These girls deserve more. I mean, they, <laughs> they deserve the Taj fucking Mahal. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, so they're having practice and all this, and Courtney's, meanwhile, having a lot of really bad dreams and hallucinations, and she's hallucinating that the Driller Killer is back. (laughs) (laughs) Um... Valerie is in the mental home. Uh, She uh, sort of, uh, Courtney has a vision of Valerie being murdered uh, by the Driller Killer, who who is returning, but this time he's a... Something, something's a little bit different about this guy. Something's a little different. Yeah. Instead of like a sweaty, red rimmed eyed guy in a jean method jacket actor. and jeans, method actor, a peacock, <laughs> if you will. A peacock. In, 
in jeans and a jean jacket. He's now uh, in full leather. He is. Uh, his name's Jeffrey. We met at the beach. Um, <laughs> I didn't. I didn't want to do this for here because it's like, oh my god, it's like so embarrassing. But like, you know, he ran towards me, and I just ran towards him, and and we're getting married on Tuesday. Um, things didn't work out with Tom Matthews and I, so Jeffrey and wow. I. Are, we're an item now. Yeah, oh, thank you. Oh, nice. Congratulations. Thanks. Thank Look you. Out. We're registered at Target. Um, <laughs> Look out for that drill. Yeah. Wow, 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 wow. Yeah. I can't wait to marry my new four-foot husband. <laughs> yeah, I think he's on a keychain somewhere now. He's literally he's, pocket-sized. He's a yeah. poly pocket. Um, yeah, he, he is a poly pocket. Yeah. <laughs> but he shows up and he's all in leather and he's like a rockabilly guy i mean that's uh, with the question mark included i mean he sings and he dances he break dances he sings and his drill is now a guitar with a drill bit at the end it it is a keytar drill it makes no sense yeah he is sex embodied and (laughs) Now, here's the thing, is that none of it makes any sense, but then it also makes perfect sense, right? Because we have horn dog Courtney in the first movie. Yes. And then this one, she's still secretly a horn dog, but she's so riddled with anxiety that yes. she's become, like, afraid of sex. And this guy just, like, personifies sex and, like, the bad boy kind of thing. And I think it's kind of interesting that the trauma she's experienced, she's fucked it all up in her brain somehow so that she's become like attracted to the killer somehow oh this almost seems like it has a grounding in reality it almost actually seems like it makes sense yeah and so there's she's, some psychology she, there yeah she's still completely obsessed with sex but instead of like the nonchalant 12 year old looking at playgirl she's like do i go all the way like, her boyfriend is nice, but she wants the bad boy kind of thing. And it's all wrapped up in a music motif because music is really important to her. Yeah. And and it's interesting, especially following the first one, which is really the killer is really a metaphor, you know, very metaphorical for like rape and, and sexual assault and, uh, and, and men trying to dominate women. Um, this one, it's, it's sort of around that yeah that fear of developing a sort of sexual agency is like that like the song girl you'll be a woman soon mm-hmm. <laughs> it's this is sort of yeah. her her you'll be a woman soon right like she still has a lamp made out of a teddy bear yes i mean i do too and i mean so uh, do i but thank you but, <laughs> but um but this could be the weekend where she goes all the way but her sister's like don't go all the way yeah and her mom why is courtney's mom southern can someone explain <laughs> this to me <laughs> yeah i wonder if that has anything to do with the fact that crystal bernard is southern sometimes her accent peeks out so maybe the mom was like fuck it i'll give her a reason to have an accent yeah we need some rationale here's the mom you never saw in the first film and and now she's southern here's also the sister and the other sister you never saw in the first film just trust us it's them (laughs) yeah yeah it's 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 its own reality yeah it truly is. And so this band, Stacy, let's talk about this band. Because oh they're they are the hottest thing since Josie and the Pussycats. I mean, um, oh. Yeah. First of all, the fact that they're supposed to be a high school band. It's a real band. Like, the music is provided by a real band called Wednesday Week. 
and it <clears throat> is good. It's good. It's like they're they're part of that like. Uh, I mean, I think they were around before that even, but like in the late 80s, early 90s, there was the Blonde Invasion, right? Yeah. Which was all these British bands who had like blonde female singers and they were all really great, like the Primitives and Transvision Vamp Mm -hmm. and the Darling Buds, which if you don't know the Darling Buds, it makes no difference. That song, it makes no difference. It's a fucking great song. So anyway, Wednesday week and that was such a sorry. That was such a thing that there even had to be a band named Four Non Blondes to counter that. <laughs> right. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. So Wednesday Week is kind of like the American counterpart to that. Like it's like really solid, good pop music. It with, is with a female singer. Like when when um when Courtney goes and she invites it, they invite the boys over to come watch them rehearse and she gets to their house and they're doing their garage band and I'm like I'm like oh I can't wait to hear what what song they come up with for this soundtrack right <laughs> and I was blown away I was like this is this sounds this is a great song like the soundtrack is because there's several songs in the movie between the band and um my future husband Jeffrey but like they're. <laughs> There's so many songs and they're all so, so good. They're so yeah. much better than this movie really might warrant <laughs> in terms well, they of. Were, they were real bands. And I think what it was, was I don't, I don't know if it was Concord or American International Pictures, but they had a deal with Electra Records. And so they would like use bands that were on the Electra label in the films. Mm. And so Deborah Brock, Deborah Brock kind of went through and found like Wednesday week thinking it would be appropriate because it was like female fronted band so that's that's why it's like actual good music it's so good and then those queens that are playing well allegedly playing those instruments (laughs) sally and her drums oh my god (laughs) let me tell you top knot and her drums yes i mean i i i didn't know that i could be more of a stan than i was a kim stan but i'm (laughs) it is team sally all the way i love sally i love them all that's the thing is like this movie is really when they die it's really upsetting it's sad because they're all so awesome i mean we've got juliet cummins there yeah we've got everyone else (laughs) (laughs) yeah yeah i love that sheila is like weirdly like puts on airs and acts like she's classy but she's really just like a sex fiend pervert yeah she is (laughs) Uh, (laughs) you have amy who dresses like annie hall and like is really super nice and a good friend to courtney and like they're all just really good friends and i love it and that's something that it's really important about these films in particular, especially I think, in, and I think that comes naturally. Well, I'm not to say it comes naturally because it's made by a woman, but like, I think women filmmakers invest in making their characters well-rounded and realistic right. um, because they know the experience of being a woman. And what's so lovely about the first one is that sense of friendship and, and kinship really between those women. Mm-hmm. Um, and that, that same thing survives on in this film. And it's yes. really, really nice. Yeah. They actually feel like friends. Yes. And like the slumber party, like, yes, Juliet Cummins gets topless, but it's not like skeezy. It's like weird and playful. Like it's not realistic. It's not, I mean, I hate to burst everybody's bubble, but at least in my experience, that's not what slumber parties were like, <laughs> you know? Yeah, no, you just, you just stood around your friend's bathtub and listened to her <laughs> sing Madonna songs at you. <laughs> 
I'm like, that actually, it seems like that's what slumber parties really were like, Stacey, from everything you've told me. I forgot about that. Um, Fucking Mistress Loretta. (laughs) Mistress Loretta. Yeah. Oh, shit. I forgot about that. Yeah. Well, nobody was naked. I mean, I guess Loretta was, but there were so many bubbles. Oh, I was like, she was fully clothed in the bubble bath? (laughs) Well, we didn't see anything. What? I don't know. Do you guys want to hear the new Madonna song? <laughs> yeah, we do. Oh my god. God, that is so weird. Wow. Well, well, anyway, yeah. Um, to me, like in the van when Sheila talks about how she could never go to like an all-girls school because she just needs boys around. And then she gets to the slumber party and is like taking her top off right away. And I'm like, Sheila, I think you protest a little too much. Yeah. Yeah, right. yes, she does. Mm-hmm. She was all hepped up on corn dogs and champagne. <laughs> I mean, that's me on any good night. Yeah. <laughs> oh yeah, but they're all friends, and they're all so sweet. And like Sally writing her hit record that she wants to have with her yeah. zit cre- her zit cream on. And that's, I mean, the other thing, like, why it's so sad that they're dying because we, they are good. They are good friends. Also, they're a fucking kick-ass band, and I just want them to succeed. I want them. I want them alongside Tiffany and Catherine Bigelow in that mall tour. <laughs> like, oh my god! Right, and they were only supposed to be like seventeen, and they were that good. Now, what's fascinating about this film and what truly puts it in bonkers territory is there are no answers whatsoever because nope. we see we see um, Courtney's visions or her dreams of of Valerie being killed by the driller killer in the in the mental home, and then we see you know all of a sudden she keeps hallucinating the driller killer showing up at the slumber party and she thinks that he kills um, Sally, but it turns out Sally was just out, you know, doing whatever while the cops are coming to file a missing persons report. (laughs) (laughs) And, and then at one point, Sally's twisted uh, fantasy slash dream somehow at the fabric it's like event horizon, the, the, the different dimensions (laughs) crossover. (laughs) And and then all of a sudden, nightmare sex genie comes out of her dreams into reality, and just starts killing everyone. And actually, it's so much build up until it's we get to maybe build up. yeah, until maybe like what? It's like the last twenty minutes is when he shows up and just everyone starts to get murdered. Yeah, and he kills like okay. So there's like uh, is something happening? Oh no, it's just a dream. Is something happening? Oh no, it's just a dream. That happens like thirty times. Yeah, between between the undead chicken, yeah, <laughs> it's like running around. Yeah, Sally's giant zit. My burger's weird. Oh my god, it's <laughs> Stacy. It was a hand burger. Did oh, you get that? It was a hand wow. burger. Ooh, yeah, that we're having good. finger food. Um, <laughs> 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 and oh my god, the zit zit moment. I mean, just let's just touch on Sally's nightmare zit popping moment, which that I was is, like, this. It's one of the grossest <laughs> things I've ever seen. That like over the top hallucinatory explosive zit was like. It was, I mean, here's something I like to do because I'm, I'm just so cool. This is why Jeffrey and I really bond is like, I like to, I like to get real baked. And then I like to sit on my phone <laughs> and watch Dr. Pimple, Pimple oh, Popper videos. Oh no, no, no. Yeah. At like four in the morning and just torture myself. Oh no. And no. so the second, 
Yeah. Oh, yeah. The second that happened, I was like, this is the Dr. Pimple Popper, like, Hall of Fame. Like, I was <laughs> so here for it. But yeah, sorry. So we keep we keep getting these fucking bananas dreams over, over, over again. Yeah. And then uh, Courtney finally decides she's going to go all the way with her boyfriend, Matt. And then the driller killer shows up in real life. And then he starts to kind of chase everybody. And then while singing screech (laughs) record scratch then he has to have a full musical number oh a full musical number called let's buzz oh and it is divine it is probably one of the biggest moments of what the fuckery i have ever witnessed and that's the sequence that I stumbled into. Little 19-year-old Hudson just wanders <laughs> into this video store, and I am confronted with Nightmare Sex Genie of my dreams and and Let's Buzz. Oh, my and gosh. And these perfect queens. And I am just like, I said to myself, girl, you'll be a woman soon. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, then he kills them, almost all of them, in rapid succession. And it's really sad. It's really sad. He chases them all down and kills them until there's only Courtney and Amy. And then there's an extended chase sequence, which has no tension in it. No, but all. it does include one of my favorite tropes in a chase sequence from the 80s, which is the rooftop chase scene. Mm-hmm. I'm yeah. always here for people getting out of windows and thinking it makes more sense to try and run across shingles yeah. <laughs> than, than to just run out a front door. Yeah, yeah. So then Courtney ends up killing him, we think. She sets him on fire and everything's fine. But then it's not fine. But then Courtney wakes up screaming and has she been in a mental hospital this whole time? Or is she in a mental hospital now? Who can say? Time has, time has no meaning in the Slumber Party Massacre Part 2. <laughs> nobody knows. It could be argued. Nobody cares. And you know what? <laughs> yeah. I just yeah. don't need answers because just that experience is so unlike anything else that I'm like, I think we talked about this um, briefly uh, when we weren't recording, but like this, the music the the styling that 80s pastel patrick nagel vibe the drill guitar the the all of the i mean this is a movie of of babes is what we were talking about yeah. earlier yeah it is and and everyone knows we love a movie full of babes <laughs> and and it's just watching babes just do this like avant-garde art cinema slasher like what <laughs> A testament to Slons lost throughout time. Like, what is happening? And oh, it, my God. 1987 came in and puked all over the place. Yeah. And your burger's weird, but you eat it anyway. <laughs> your burger that is, like, soaking in ketchup, like, dripping ketchup. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But you eat it anyway. And that's just fine. This I just can't get over that styling. I mean, I mean, once again, like, okay, the man in horror of my dreams is this driller killer, which I cannot stress enough. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah. And then also, like, just the styling of the band and uh, yeah. the, Sally's hair, and uh, even even the the one the boy love interest um, when they're talking about going to the slumber party, and I think it's Courtney is on the phone with him, and they cut to. 
they cut to his house and for some reason his house is like um like it's almost like uh, Delia Dietz's house like it's super 80s avant-garde like goth yes yeah <laughs> and, and he's like sitting there in his short shorts and his like purple goth dream yuppie mansion <laughs> do you know he's a low brother like Rob what yeah. like Ro- circa Rob and Chad yeah that's really yeah I should have I should have t- been able to tell by those hamstrings yeah <laughs> Yep. <laughs> yeah. So there you go. Yeah. Oh. Wow. What a it's, film. Yeah. Like Sheila's dress with the like pastel paint splatters on it. And she's got her Reeboks on. And just like, it's so perfect. It's so. And also there's killer lines like, come on, Kruger. Denny's is holding our booth. It's yeah. just so <laughs> good. Anybody got any tranks? <laughs> <laughs> I am actually really, I really love to hearing you talk about how, um, you know, Courtney already, like, because that was something that Jason and I rewatching this, we were like, wait a second, but she already, why is this about sexual awakening? Because she already had her sexual awakening in the first movie. Right. And you're absolutely right. That like, this is, this is what happens when you get older and maybe those things from your past kind of get blended in, in an unfortunate way. Right. Uh, yeah. As you get a little bit older. And yeah. that's actually that's actually really kind of deep for this for a film that doesn't seem to have much depth. There really is something right. to that. Yeah, it all came together for me. I think this watching it this last time. Well, I've watched it like twice in the last couple of weeks. Yeah. And it's just it's really come together because Courtney, it's been like five years and she's, you know, so she probably suppressed a lot of stuff, too. Like not just from that night, but also like who she was. Yeah. 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 Sex obsessed scamp that she was. And now it's all coming out because it all comes out sooner or later. You know, that's what happens when you 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 almost get killed by a killer. You survive with your lady friends and then you you burn all your playgirls. (laughs) <laughs> yeah. those playgirls gotta go somewhere in your in the back of your mind and they'll but manifest you're still horny what happens yeah yeah what do you do you invent a four foot tall rockabilly <laughs> sex, sex goblin yeah. yeah sex goblin yeah <laughs> <laughs> he might be my favorite i mean just because i want him to drill me i think he no. might be he might be one of the best slashers out there like because just because he all <laughs> He has such a love for life. <laughs> I, I, I admire the actor's willingness to do things that most people might find embarrassing. Yeah, and he does it. He, he kills does it. them with gusto. He's, yeah, he sli- does. he's sliding down the banister. He's doing the worm. He's cha cha <laughs> around in his little boots. And they were little. Like, we're talking and like. They're like baby, baby shoes. Yeah, H&M Children's Collection. Like. Yeah. <laughs> He he was styled by Leather and Gettys for this film. <laughs> yeah. 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 So he's got some gusto for sure. Yeah. But it's sad. God. Like, I don't want Sally to get killed. You know? No, nobody wants Sally to the, get killed. Girls, I was so... The girls all have real personality. And like, for even for not being deep, they're all like individuals. 
And that's what's really nice, too, is, like, even with Nightmare Sex Goblin, even with uh, just the sheer inanity of the things that happen, even with this, like, over-the-top but so 1987 (laughs) uh, aesthetic, like, there, there are real people in this film and real relationships and... And it's thoughtful. It's yeah. thoughtful even while being completely, like, thoughtless by all other means. Yes. You know what is a really strange oversight that I just realized? Is their band doesn't have a name. That's what I was wondering the whole time. Like, is there a name? Like, I don't, they never say it, or... They never say it, and, which is really weird because, like, they're obviously really serious about it. Like, Sally's really serious about her songwriting and stuff. Because so I'm like... I'm surprised I'm like, it's not on her drum or something, on her bass drum. Or... Well, I mean, well, I mean, we were too, those those camera angles, we were too busy watching Sally's fierce drumsticks that we, <laughs> yeah. it would be a waste of that amazing drumsticking to, to, to cut away and to show the front of the drum, Stacey. This is true. This is true. And I mean, I could watch, I could watch Sally play the drums all day. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. God, I love her. I love how much product placement is in this movie. Like, yeah, it's normally product placement really is annoying, but there's so much in this movie that it's just. I'm gonna get a drink. Anybody want anything? Yeah, can you get me a slice? Perrier, <laughs> Perrier, please. <laughs> And then, like, at their slumber party, it's like, here's the easy cheese. Here's the homestyle cookies. It's like everything is like, here's a Pepsi. It's crazy. Listen, when you when you are Deborah Brock and you have a, you have a story that you are just itching to tell. <laughs> and Roger Corman gives you $1.25. Yeah, Roger Corman gives you $1.25. You're going to suck up to all the sponsors you can to make your to make yours and Courtney's uh, dreams come true, literally. Man. Yeah. It's you can't say this isn't her vision. 100%. For whatever that's worth. And if it isn't hers, I want to know who the fucks it is because (laughs) because you are a genius, madam. (laughs) I love it. I love it. So that is a dynamic duo of movies. What a great time. What a what a great bizarre time (laughs) that that little span from what year was part five was that 85 85 yeah yeah 85 to 87 I'm just yeah what a sacred era i will miss i I just wish we could go back well i don't wish we could go back because that's what everybody's trying to do and they're just making uninspired films instead but (laughs) but wow wow what a time yeah and i haven't seen slumber party three but you said it's not as good it's not it's not it's definitely the least of the three but still still made by women once again which i thought Mm -hmm. is really cool yeah it's maybe it's worth a rewatch you know i haven't seen it in a long time so maybe maybe it'll be one of those that you rewatch and you're like wait a minute what was i thinking this is the best movie of all time huh i might have to check it out i mean these two movies today at one point in my life i hated each of them and here we are stacy i'm so glad you just decided to surrender to joy i did (laughs) i did i'm like why did that's what it is watching these films you just have to give in and surrender to joy was that a was that a a a question a listener question oh, perhaps oh, do we, perhaps a listener question echoes in these empty halls oh here in the stately in the in the haunting of gaylord house can't you... 
<laughs> can't you not wait for that, Stacy? I really can't. <laughs> <laughs> Yay. <laughs> well, we do have a question. Uh, it comes from Death Before Decaf, which is a, a sentiment I wholeheartedly agree with. That's hilarious. Uh, the question is, other than the obvious answer, which is The Christmas Party and Black Christmas, what horror movie social gathering would you most want to attend? Oh, fucking yeah, that's good. That's a good one. That's real good. I let's let me tell you I have been Jones I have known the answer to this it usually our questions like really flummox me and I can never figure out an answer to any of them ever Mm. and this one I knew mine like in a second oh wow second this question came into us um so I'm gonna jump right into it do it mine would obviously be oh god damn it now I'm doubting myself I'm going to have a part one and a part two. Yeah, my, you can have multiples. My, oh, God damn it. Okay, I have a part, I have three parts. Damn it, shit, I'm doing that thing now. I was so confident and I got so confident that now I have no confidence. Okay, oh. my my two honorable mentions. I'm going to start with those. Yes. Uh, one honorable mention is uh, the old, <laughs> the elderly Satanist party in Rosemary's Baby. <laughs> oh, nice. Hail Satan. Um, <laughs> Two would be, um, uh, oh, well, now I want it to be Lords of Salem, but I don't want to watch all those women die at the end. So two would be um, the the coven meeting and the witch. Mm. Um, and what I like to call book club. And then three, my my ultimate, so not, those are my honorary mentions, but my, uh, my ultimate answer to this, the gathering that I am just dying to be at is obviously jezebel's birthday party and the sentinel yes uh, i want to i want to hang out with the twins and be like are you, have you guys done 23 and me because i don't think <laughs> <laughs> you guys know what twins are right did you do ancestry.com i mean i know it's run by mormons but like i'm just i have questions jenny jones maury povich no <laughs> And I want to hang out. I want to eat a black and white cat. Or oh, oh my god, no! Oh, wow. I don't want to eat a cat. I'm not Alf. I want to. <laughs> Aren't you? Though? I I want to have a black and white cake for a black and white cat. And yes, yeah. Stacy, I am Alf. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, sign me up for the Sentinel. I mean, keep out. Keep your problematic um, obsession with uh, displaying um, what's supposed to be a freak show of of differently abled people. Like, keep that far away from our birthday party for the cat, because I don't need that part of the movie. Right. <laughs> I think all of these have some kind of a caveat, right? Because this most is true. Of them end in death somehow, or <laughs> yeah, trauma, pain, trauma and pain, murdered so families. Of... Right. Yeah. So it's and there's the thing is it's really hard to choose because there's so many social gatherings in horror movies. There especially, are especially in slasher movies. Like it's a I think. Can we can we also add an addendum to this question and identify not to put you on the spot, but to identify the one social gathering we would really rather never go to from a horror movie? Oh, sure. Because I have that in my head too. Oh, what's that? Um, it's a 
It's from the last... Okay, so there's two movies where I, in my adult life, where I really thought I had to leave the theater before the movie was over. And one of them was The Descent. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was before the monsters showed up. That was just the claustrophobia. Yeah. Um, the other was Karen Kusama's The Invitation. Mm. And I keep me as far away as possible from that, like, Scientologist dinner party. Yeah. Like, that... that environment that movie that scared the shit out of me Such and a good movie. oh my god oh my god if you haven't seen the invitation watch it asap it is one of the best horror films of the last like 20 years um that that dinner party just oh i have the willies thinking about it yeah i'm pro the sentinel i'm anti the invitation in terms of social gatherings that makes sense how about you, Stacy? <laughs> well, most, I mean, the larger social gatherings are not for me. You know, I just, yeah. I am immediately bored and I just would rather be anywhere else. So I actually did say Lords of Salem, but I was thinking of <gasps> when it's just the three of the witches, like hanging out, having tea and shit talking. Uh. Oh. Like that's on my scale of hangout, you know. What I mean? Oh like, yeah, like no big raucous rave. I know you think I'm a raver. I do. I've, I I know se- you. You watched uh, Hellraiser Hell World with that video game rave, <laughs> and you were like, "That's where Stacy wants to be." That's Stacy. She's she's spinning those sticks over her head. <laughs> <laughs> I have those pants with all the belts that go the, nowhere a belt your jinko your jinko jeans my jinkos my jinkos <laughs> and my and my crop top and my little top hair balls you know what i mean oh your your mouth perm <laughs> <laughs> no the little like hair balls they're like balls of oh, hair yeah that girls have you know what i mean yeah. I don't know what you call them. It's like, yeah, it's like where Tank Girl goes to the rave. Yeah, like, it's, like uh, I'm the, it's like I'm the singer. Seeker pimp, your pimps. You know yes, yes, like, yes, 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 yes. Which yes. I fucking love the sneaker pimps. Oh but, my god, I'm like that's a vibe for that. Yeah, that's a vibe for all time. Yeah, yeah. but I'm not like that's. I mean, yeah, my crop top and my belts, belts to nowhere, and my hairballs. <laughs> <laughs> My giant platform fucking <laughs> sketchers or whatever. <laughs> Can you imagine the first time we the first time when we first do a live show and and I walk into the room and I, I meet I meet you in the flesh. And I'm and just I, like that. Yeah, I see that. And I just go, nah, I'm good. <laughs> yeah. hey, you know what? We had a good run. Yeah. Well, the first 57 episodes were fun, yeah. but... <laughs> yeah, but... Uh, this is really harsh in my buzz. We yeah. <laughs> but I've got my glow sticks going. <laughs> Hi, it's no, me. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, oh. So shockingly not Hellraiser Hellworld. Damn. I'm God. so sad. That movie though. 
Oh, I can't wait till we get to look at that. We'll one, get to those because eventually, I mean, we'll get to eventually, every eventually, movie. Eventually, that's all we'll have left. <laughs> yeah. Well, today's our final episode. We're finally here. <laughs> it's time for Hellraiser Hellworld. Boot up. Boot it up, baby. <laughs> I'm jacking in. <laughs> oh, I, I am, I am. I think I would love to see you hanging out with the the coven. Um, I mean, in, I feel like I would fit in. You would fit right in, because I mean, look, Patricia would just be drunk. Um, Sunny, aka D. Wallace, would be like issuing life advice while plotting to kill everyone. Uh, Judy would be like uh, offering wisdoms in a charming British way, and you'd just be there with your sisters, right? Like, oh, yeah, yeah. just I soaking mean, it just, all in. Just keep your glow sticks out of you, and keep you're my- good to go. <laughs> my hairballs are coming down tonight, baby. Yeah. Although, <laughs> although when it flips into the crazy, like Rob Zombie twenty minute screensaver part of the movie, where Sherry mm. Moon's like riding the goat and stuff, you you yeah. would fit right in with your glow sticks then. Yeah. Then I gotta roll my balls back up. My yeah, and you <laughs> roll your balls back up. Stays... <laughs> then you can, you know, you'd be like, no, no, I got the perfect thing, and just I jump into the... frame, yeah, start spinning your glow sticks. My belts everywhere. <laughs> I don't understand those pants. I mean, they're not for me. But have what, you ever you, worn them? I just don't understand. They have so many belts and straps I've, and things. I've never worn them, but I remember reading uh, young, uh, old, old, old gay magazines created for young queers back in the in the in the in the long, long ago. And I remember seeing those and just thinking, I don't know who could pull those off. Yeah. <laughs> no, they're really quite intense. Yeah, there's just so many, so many straps. Yeah, so many straps. But what do they do? Is there a parachute? I don't know how that works. (laughs) Am I supposed to tie something with this? Like, I just don't understand them. Maybe it's in case, like, in case, um, like, there's a a, 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 some kind of arterial wound or something, and you could use a, you could compress it down. You know, yeah. Like, hold on, I got a belt, and then you tighten it, and then life is saved. Yeah. Well, maybe I will get some then. Yeah. <laughs> For your spelunking expedition. <laughs> yeah. In your rape pants. You never know. <laughs> you never know. Yeah. What, um, so would, would Hellworld be the one you would avoid at all oh, costs? Oh, absolutely. Anything with more than like three people. Unless I'm in an audience, like I would go see Folk. Oh, yeah. You know, from Suspiria. I would go oh, see I that. haven't heard of it. Yeah, yeah. I would go see that, you know. Oh, it's so I could you imagine even if I ex- even if I exploded at the end or something, like I'd be fine with that. Here's what happened. What was what 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 was supposed to happen? What was supposed to happen at the end of, of the original ritual performance of folk? I don't know. Like was was Helena Marcos just going to explode into Susie and 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 Blanc would come everywhere and then the audience just <laughs> maybe are are their intestines dispensed at the ritual performance dance? Like I don't right. I don't I have so many questions and and this is Even why after two episodes I still have questions. I guess we have to do a third, Stacy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. So I would go to the slumber party massacre or slumber parties. 
Yes. Especially if they left off the massacre part, but either of those I would go to. Oh, yeah. And if I was at the first one, I would, I mean, I would do my best at the first one to protect that gym teacher, that coach at all costs. Yeah. Slumber parties were great. You know? I don't know. I still keep thinking of Loretta just singing at you in her bathtub. (laughs) I'm just not convinced. (laughs) What a weird... That's the only time anything like that happened. Like, anything remotely weird like that happened. And that All was the others... weird. That was Loretta's thing. All the others, we just, like, watched movies, and, like, whoever got there last, we sabotaged their pizza pizza. Oh, you know? yeah. You know, just stuff like that. The there pizza that time... you were eating from the dead pizza delivery man? Yeah, like, there was one yeah. time we, we put somebody's uh, panties in the freezer... But we didn't, like, soak them in water first, so they just got kind of cold. <laughs> they didn't, like, freeze. <laughs> yeah. You know. Do kids do kids have sleepover slumber parties anymore, or is it just FaceTime? Oh, that's a sad thought. Can you imagine, like, not having the joy of um, random uh, uh, sexual tension and, and too much sugar and... <laughs> Um, yeah, getting stay, scared, and getting scared, up. and and looking at stuff you're not supposed to, and staying up till literally till the sun comes up, and you everyone gets delirious, yeah. and just oh my gosh, now yeah, now it's just Facetime. Yeah, I'd rather watch uh, the band from Slumber Party Massacre too. That's oh. my social gathering. Oh. I mean, it's, it's take me to that rehearsal. I want to yeah. be, I want to be right there in that garage, just like queening out with my with my Sally and her sticks. Just, just <laughs> I want to be your Tokyo convertible. I know that wasn't their song, but that what a Tokyo convertible. It's so I I don't know. You know what I mean? That's no, I don't. <laughs> Wow, that must have seemed really weird. (laughs) 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 The scene early when they're going to school and that song Tokyo Convertible comes on the radio and Courtney's like, oh, I love this song. And she turns it up and she and Amy sing to Tokyo Convertible. Oh, yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah. Yeah. I just—I thought you I were... made a leap there without informing you. I—I was... I, I thought you were just having another flare-up of the aphasia, so I wasn't sure what was happening. Oh man! Uh, thank you for not saying anything and just letting me work through it. That's nice. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I'm nothing. I'm nothing if not. Um, very uh looking out for you at all times <laughs> yeah yeah so there was that scene where they sing that song i don't know remember <laughs> <laughs> i do now <laughs> i just think tokyo convertible is weird it, it the sentiment of a of a of a tokyo convertible itself it's, it's yeah like it sounds like one of the we've talked about them before but it sounds like one of those sex things that nobody actually does oh like a rusty trombone or a roman helmet yeah, or a, you know uh, like oh did you ever give a girl a tokyo convertible, a tokyo convertible? <laughs> <laughs> you take her top off and stick a chopstick up her ass or something i don't know <laughs> Like nobody would ever do that. Stacy, um, 
let me let me share something with you for us. <laughs> oh no. Us worldly women here. Um, I see. At night, you know, Jeffrey, <laughs> Jeffrey and I. Oh, Jeffrey shows up. Yeah, right? yeah, Jeffrey shows up out of my dreams. He he drills his way. He hops from out with, of your pocket. <laughs> yeah, he hops out of my hot pocket because he's a poly pocket. <laughs> uh, he's got his little drill, and uh, and he Whee! he show, he shows me that Tokyo convertible. I oh see. yeah, yeah. Oh, all right. Well, good. Yeah. So all it is a it. thing people do. Yeah. Well, if if you're four foot tall and a sex goblin. <laughs> Keychain sex goblin. Yeah, keychain Polly Pocket sex goblin. <laughs> God, he's so hot. <laughs> he's very good looking. Uh, Tokyo convertibles. Yeah. <laughs> good Lord. All, all this and more. Yeah, if you enjoy Can... Gaylords of Darkness. <laughs> <laughs> Please. Uh, rate and review us on iTunes or Facebook. Tell your friends about us. Uh, yeah. Well, thanks. Bye. Wow. For a haunted tome made out of skin, it's so loosely structured, yet informative. I know, right? Uh, Is it over? It's glowing and spinning on its own, so I'm gonna guess yes. Ah, Oh oh my my god! God. Oh Oh my my god! god. Tune in next time for more games!